It's a good question. Why is digital marketing so complicated? Because there's uh, a, an art and a science to converting strangers into customers. Um, there's things that you have to learn across multifacets. And the, the challenge that most people face is there's so much information out there around how do you convert strangers into customers. And there's differences between tactics and the fundamentals. Tactics come and go, and there are always new tactics. So do I put a little pop-up on my website that says, hey, here's how many people that showed up. Do I use a webinar? Do I use this? Do I try that? Do I try this? There's always these these um, tactics. And people get confused with the idea that a tactic is the reason you grow. Welcome to episode 154. If you like me, then you may find that digital marketing is quite complex. Navigating the digital space can be a challenge for business owners looking to boost profits and turn potential customers into loyal ones. Enters Mikael Dia, the founder and CEO of Punetlytics a software that allows you to visually map and analyze how people flow through your marketing funnels. According to him, when done right, digital marketing is like unlocking a superpower that can help you build, grow, and scale your business. While Mikael is a digital pro, I am a bottleneck pro. And let me prove it to you with my comprehensive ebook eight tactics to thrive as an entrepreneur from cultivating grit to mastering sales each tactic is accompanied by actionable tips and exercises empowering you to tackle bottlenecks head on download the ebook for free on my website lauranotin.com forward slash get my ebook and now let's turn to Mikael. Hey, Mikael, thank you very much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to uh, to be here and have a chat with you. Good. So we're going to talk about bottlenecks, of course. But first, I want to talk about, about your business. What are the bottlenecks you help your clients to overcome? Now, interesting question, because our entire business is centered around bottlenecks. Uh, we help people uncover the bottlenecks of their customer journeys. So when they s send traffic to their website and people navigate through that website trying to convert, what are those bottlenecks? How, what's stopping people from converting? What is helping people convert? Um, okay. visualizing that and helping them understand that is, is our entire business. Right. That's interesting. You've been in uh, digital marketing for 12 years, if I am correct. Yep. And, you know, digital marketing is, is, is huge, right? It's, 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 it's big. It takes a, it takes a lot of importance for all the companies, I would say. Uh, and you, you hear many, many different advice from different digital marketing experts. Sometimes those advice are in contradiction with each other. And you know, every, it, it, it sounds sometimes that every expert has their own opinion about what you should or shouldn't do, shouldn't do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know what I'm talking about because I, I'm reaching out to those experts. Why is it so complicated? 
It's a good question. Why is digital marketing so complicated? Because there's a, a, an art and a science to converting strangers into customers. Um, there's things that you have to learn across multifacets. And the, the challenge that most people face is there's so much information out there around how do you convert strangers into customers. And there's differences between tactics and the fundamentals. Tactics come and go, and there are always new tactics. So do I put a little pop-up on my website that says, hey, here's how many people that showed up. Do I use a webinar? Do I use this? Do I try that? Do I try this? There's always these, these um, tactics. And people get confused with the idea that a tactic is the reason you grow, right? Tactics, like I said, come and go. You have to understand the fundamentals. And and those fundamentals uh, really come down to, I need to capture somebody's attention yeah. at the very front. I then need to capture their information. And then I need to communicate with them, nurture them, educate them, and eventually sell them to become a client, right? To become a customer. And if you understand kind of those fundamentals and what you can do across each of these various phases, that's when you can start to simplify that thought process. And then you can start to say, okay, you know what? I understand that this particular tactic fits in the getting somebody's attention side of things. Let me go and test that, right? Because that's what I need to do is I need to get somebody's attention. So Personally, I think that that's the, the biggest challenge that we face is we just end up having all of these overloaded number of things mm. um, in our face. I also think that we conflate marketing with making money online too much. There's a lot of messages out there that says, I made $10,000 a month. I made $20,000 a month. Um, I made and, 1 million in three months. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, right? And it, yeah. it makes it sound as though the tactic or the marketing is what made that happen. Um, because all he did was acquire new customers. It's like, that's not how it works. You know, you're, you're in the business of identifying bottlenecks. Um, you know, as much as I do that growing and building a business uh is not a tactic there's there's mm -hmm. other components that um and to make that happen yeah that's interesting what you're what you're saying so how do you tie the customer journey into what you just described so fundamentally it is all about the customer journey your mm -hmm. your job as a business owner and as a marketer and as a salesperson and and really the entire organization's purpose is to find a stranger who's ultimately never heard of you before, attract them towards your business because your business has a solution to one of their problems, right? Or to a desire that they're trying to, to achieve. You're now trying to attract them. Then your job is to then close them and convert them into an actual customer for your business. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you have to deliver the result and you have to deliver what it is that you, you close them and sold them on, right? So if you think about it less about you and less about your business and more 
in terms of the customer, well, that means that a person has found your business. So whether it's blog posts, whether it's through an ad, whatever it may be, they clicked on that ad, right? They did that. Then they went and looked at a page and read the content of that page or watched a video, right? After that, they decided I'm going to go and fill out a form. And that's the person, that's the customer going and saying, I'm going to go and do that. Then they receive an email and they decide I'm going to read the email and I'm going to click on the link. When I land on that page, I'm going to watch this video and I'm going to go and purchase something, right? Yeah. That is the journey that that person has gone through. And if you don't understand those steps, you really don't understand how you're converting these strangers into customers for your business. So to me, Everything we do at Phonolytics um, ties back to understanding that customer journey, not just having random data, not just understanding that, oh, well, I had a click or 97% of the people who landed on the page bounced. It's, well, okay, but what did the 3% who didn't bounce, where, where did they go? Where did they, did they go to the next step? You know, why did the 97% bounce? Is it because it was too confusing? How do you kind of understand that and and tie it back to the journey? You uh, you say something that that relates to to one of the bottlenecks that I tackle often, especially among startup funders. You said you know put yourself. You're talking about customer journey, and you were mentioning you have to put yourself to the customer's shoes, and that's one thing I I see many startup funders, especially forget to do that. They you know they are locked they are lost into their technical solution. Yep. And so they look from they look at their product or their or service from their point of view instead of looking at it from the customer's point of view. Yes. Do you agree with me? Do you see I, that a lot? Yeah. 100%. I, yeah. I, I it's natural, right? I mean, uh, I, I I don't blame them. It's it's natural because you're the one designing your product from your point of view and Many times you design a product because you've had the experience and you think that your experience represents everybody's experience, right? Yeah. So you, and it's the only experience that you know. So therefore you kind of design that product or that solution or that service based on how you would want this thing to be solved. Um, and then you forget to start taking some feedback and realizing that, oh, not everybody's like you. And people think about things differently and they, they approach it differently and, and all that stuff. So you really need to, you, you need to take the time to sit back and say, okay, actually, maybe I don't represent the consensus or the average. So let's go and, and watch how these people do. Let's gather some data of what they do. Let's have some conversations of, with their process and, and what they do and, and that's when you're going to start to see some bottlenecks in your own product or your service and that user experience that you're trying to design for them. So, mm. totally agree. Whose job is it to to do that? Because I'm 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 talking about that because what I see also is you know when this when you you're a small company, yep. Everybody everybody is involved. Everybody does a little bit of everything, and of course the the, the co-founders are very much involved in in understanding the clients or trying to understand the clients. Yep. But as the company grows. What, what you see is that less and less people talk to the customers. Yep. And so I'm really wondering, is, is it the, the job of understanding the customers? Is that, is that, you know, does it belong to a specific category of people, like salespeople? Or should it be uh, something that everybody in the company 
do? I, th- I think there's ranks uh, in terms of who needs to understand the customer more than others. So does the HR department need to understand customers as much as the salespeople? No, of course not. You know, so there, there's different levels, but I mean, fundamentally, anybody who touches the customer should understand the customer, not just based on where the customer is at once they're, they're interacting with the customer, uh, but across that entire journey, where do we start with the customer? Or where do we take them? So typically you're going to see that across marketing sales and success, right? Those three core departments where marketing is trying to bring in customers, sales is trying to turn them into actual customers and um, success is trying to fulfill on, on what it is. And, you know, you call that kind of RevOps in, in our world, you, you know, HubSpot kind of focuses their entire business around, around this. Um, that's where that CRM lives. You know, if, if you aren't aligned around that customer within those three, three categories, mm. um, then, then I think you're going to have a lot of challenge. So, so fundamentally, anybody who is within those three departments, and everybody above it who basically is responsible for the success of those departments, uh, including the CEO, including the COO, um, they need to understand that. I would say everybody in the C-suite, because if you think about the business, um, the business is a culmination or a sum of the number of customers that you have and how much those customers pay, mm-hmm. right? whether it's a recurring model or it's a one-time that's just basically your your money your money comes from those things so with that said now you have to when you think about finance and you think about projections well okay if we're going to start thinking about revenue who is our best customer what are they well who pays us the most why do they pay the most right so if i don't understand that how can i make decisions as to do we move in this direction or do we move in this direction? And sometimes I feel though that all these, uh, the bigger the company, the less they want to talk to me, the customer. <laughs> you know, it's true. It, it's, it becomes very, uh, because they, I understand, you know, you want to scale, of course. So you want to automate the process, you want to automate the processes. But I feel that many companies forget that behind on the other side, you know, there is there is a human being who actually clicks on the buy button. Yes, you know why? It, it's because of what you just said. You know your your entire business and and everything you talk about is is removing the bottleneck, right? Especially as CEO, and and the way you remove the bottleneck is you create processes and you create systems and you operate those systems. And now you understand the systems strictly based on metrics and whether or not we're the 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 machine is green yellow red is it working is it not working the minute you get feedback from the outside meaning let's say you speak to a customer and that customer says man it's, i'm really missing this feature and that customer churns well is that feedback valuable or is it just something that is going to disrupt the system 
So if basically you find that that customer is actually not my ideal customer and I now decide to build something because I want to make that customer happy or I want to start going after that, I'm breaking the system and I'm building a new part of the system. So I'm adding more to this this engine that is already kind of operating. Now, Mm. if I know that these customers, my ideal customers are satisfied, they're sticking they're 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 happy and really it it works then do i need to speak to the customer well the customer is already served we've already we've already done all of that work in order to make sure that we can attract close deliver and retain that customer they're super satisfied so speaking to them doesn't give me any new information to optimize that core engine right Mm -hmm. It, it at least not on on a one-on-one level in that sense. So it's hard to remove yourself and not be a bottleneck when you're constantly getting new feedback and new information from customers um, because your tendency is to take that feedback and act on it, right? Mm. Sometimes you shouldn't because it's not, it's not your job, especially as a CEO, right? You get to a stage where it's like, okay, the, the machine operates... And then you come back and you're like, man, I got these really cool ideas because I just spoke to these five customers. I think we should build this. And then the team's like, wait a minute, you know, I like you're you're creating chaos in the business, and that that's happened to me many many times, uh, just creating a lot of chaos because I'm not letting the machine operate. Instead, I'm trying to improve or add things or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, you're making you're making uh, emotional decisions based on one thing that you that you've learned. Um, but to, to go back to what you were, to us, you were saying, I, I understand that. I understand that, you know, I'm a customer. You don't need to talk to me all the time. Uh, I'm happy because I've been paying and I renew until the day I turn. Yep. And that most of the time, it is my understanding that most of the companies don't, don't understand, don't ex, don't anticipate, uh, you know, me turning. Yes. So what can they do better? Well, there's a lot of reasons for churn. Mm. There's a lot of reasons why somebody may churn. And you can't keep a customer really forever. I mean, there will always be more new things that customer's needs evolve. Maybe you churn because you outgrew the business. Maybe you churned because you had to downsize, you know, or... Let's say you're using HubSpot. It's not because like I don't like HubSpot, but HubSpot isn't designed for bigger businesses or smaller businesses, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Or or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you are using Active Campaign or whatever, whatever platform you're using. They understand who their customer is. They've built a machine that is there to serve that customer. And then you as a customer may have evolved beyond that or your circumstances may have changed and therefore you need to switch and you end up churning. So I think what's really, really important going back to as a business um, is that product market fit, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding where is our product market fit? Who do we serve? Because we can't serve everybody across the lifespan of their entire life, right? It, It That's just not the reality of it. So understanding that, and realizing that, and right now I, I'm thinking very much in software terms, but still understanding that even if you're an education business, 
Um, you can't just sit there and say, well, I've churned because, hey, uh, let's say I join a, a mastermind as an example. And I've now spent uh, a year in that mastermind and I'm supposed to renew. But in that year, I've grown and I'm beyond. Yeah. So I'm not going to renew because it doesn't serve me anymore, right? Yeah. Well, does that mean that the business should adapt and get that feedback? Oh, of course they should get that feedback. Should they act on it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they should build a new program that serves me at the next level and helps me solve those problems. But maybe not. Maybe that's not because they're in. Mm. Right. So the feedback is extremely important. You should gather it. But should you act on it all the time? Depends. Okay. <clears throat> but I, I like what you said. Collect the feedback. But depending on what it is, you know, analyze it. Decide to act on it or not. Yeah, but at least collect collect the feedback. A hundred percent. Yeah, great. Yeah. A lot of a lot of common sense here, Michael. Good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Let's yeah. to go. No, sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say it's a you know at the end of the day it's it's. I I I heard a quote one time that that really resonated with me. Building building a business is simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> yeah. That's a good note. But it's true, right? Like th this common sense stuff, it's like, yeah, of course. Of course it makes sense. Like it's yeah. it's, it's simple. Yeah, collect feedback. Yeah. But it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to act on it. It's not easy to know what to do next. It's it, it but you know, it, the formula is not complicated. Yes. You know, my, my favorite question uh, to my clients when I'm in a coaching, uh, having a coaching conversation with them is, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Most of the time, they are not waiting for anything. They already have the answer. Yeah. Common sense. Yeah. But somehow, they're stuck because yep. they become the bottleneck. Yeah. Totally. So, what about you? Uh, let's talk about you, the, entre the entrepreneur. Are well, you the botanic right now? According to your score, I, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> according to, to your score, I am. Yeah, I think I think um, uh, we're at a stage in our company where we've had to make a lot of pivots, uh, a lot of changes. Um, we've tested a lot of things. Um, I've tried to remove myself as the bottleneck um, multiple times, and I have in different parts of the company. Um, however, as we continue to find product market fit as a business, like we truthfully finding product market fit is one of the most challenging things mm. you, especially in, in, in SaaS, I find because you're building something that every time you're getting feedback, it takes time to implement that feedback because you're, you're building software. Versus like, let's say I'm doing coaching program. Um, cool. I can take, I can readjust within a, a week what my, you know, next training is going to talk about based on the feedback, right? It's, it's much simpler. Or if you have a service, same thing. Like it, it's, it's, it's much easier to, to adapt. But let's say you're, you're in the manufacturing space and you f build physical products. It's like, uh, that feedback requires me to then retool my thing and, and figure out something else and, and adapt that. And I think um, with Funnelytics and, and software in general, but with Funnelytics, we've had a, a, a lot of challenges understanding 
who is our ideal customer and getting to that product market fit because we attract a lot of different types of businesses into our, our world. Um, mostly because of our free, our, our, our free mapping tool and, and the way that we kind of allow people to map these, these customer journeys. Uh, so I've found myself playing the role of trying to find product market fit across, you know, the different departments. So mm-hmm. on the customer success side, you know, speaking to customers, trying to get that feedback so I can give it back to the developers. But then what happens is great developers go eight weeks, you know, 12 weeks before really that feature is, is built into a way that makes sense. So over the eight, 12 weeks, what am I doing? Well, I'm going to go and play on the marketing side to figure out based on that feedback, let's go and reposition this or, or that. Right. And a lot of times as you're figuring out product market fit, um, your growth fluctuates. So yeah, net you're growing. However, churn mixed with new customers creates this kind of up and down flat line type of model, which means that you can't sit there and go and hire a whole bunch of people to remove yourself as the bottleneck, right? So you can create processes, you can put some stuff in place, but at the end of the day, until you can focus on building the machine, it becomes really hard to remove yourself. So I would say that I am 100% the bottleneck at this stage. I would say that I I don't mind it per se. Like I actually quite enjoy figuring and tinkering and, and doing that. Um, but I do know the consequence of it, which is cons- constant tinkering does not create a machine, right? Constant tinkering creates chaos to be honest um so so yeah i don't know if that answers your question but no it does it does it's and it's the the first step of you know touching bottlenecks is self-awareness and you have yeah i think you really understand that you have really developed your your, you know you're very conscious about about it but uh it's not your first business right uh and you exited one before so based on your the code that really resonates with you. <laughs> One would think that by now it should be easy. <laughs> no, but no. Here you are. Even after several businesses, you're struggling. Yep. Um, you know why? Not even though the formula is the same. I've mm. got to attract. I've got to close. I've got to deliver. I've got to retain customers. That's fundamentally the formula of every business. Um, the nuances of each of those pieces depending on the type of business is not the same so when i was running a mandarin language school they that was completely different when it comes to how do i deliver the result to a client um how do i attract the client how do i close them um how do i even retain them very different than when you're doing it for a software, mm. right? For example, when I was delivering Mandarin lessons, I hired a teacher because I don't speak Mandarin, nor have I ever been to China. Um, I We hired a teacher and we rented a room and we basically said, student, go here, teacher, go there, lessons, done, right? You can't be the bottleneck because I don't even know how to be the bottleneck. I, I can't even contribute to the deliver aspect. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, that was that versus so you you were forced to hire people who could contribute 
I, I was forced in that yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Same thing when I look at analytics um, on the software side. Um, I was forced to hire people to build the product because I'm not a developer, right? I'm not a coder. However, the people building the product don't know what the product needs to do per se. Yeah. That's where you end up, you know, having to have the feedback. And that's where you say, okay, well, do I build this? Do I build that? Um, et cetera. And, and prioritizing. And that is very, very different than doing it for a Mandarin school mm-hmm. as an example, right? On the retention side. Well, what does it take to retain a, somebody who wants to learn Mandarin? How dedicated are they to learning Mandarin? And is the teacher good? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that simple and then come back lesson after lesson, week after week, month after month. What does it take to retain somebody who starts a free trial to your software? Well, that that's a different ballgame. It takes completely understanding the user experience and the user flow and figuring out what is the metric that actually creates the activation and gets them to that aha moment and learning from that and building that. And it that is a much different process. The outcome is the same. I want to retain that customer. The steps are, are different. So it's a different puzzle. So to me, um, the reason we struggled and, and we've, and, and, and it's interesting because we've had a lot of success yeah. with analytics. Um, and we've also internally struggled significantly. So on the surface, on the outside, it seems like, Hey, analytics, it's, it's the deep backdo mapping tool and, and all that stuff. But internally, it's just about figuring out how this puzzle fits together across these various, these four various stages of, okay, am I attracting the right customers? Am I closing them in a way that makes actual sense and, and allows us, am I delivering? Am I retaining? And, and what are the pieces and how does that all fit together? That's the challenge. And I think that's what, that's why, uh, a lot of CEOs or, or founders, let's call them, um, are the bottleneck is because they're the ones who fundamentally have to figure out a lot of these pieces, right? And if if not, then that means they're hiring other people to figure it out for them. And that could be challenging, right? That could be challenging to hire somebody to figure out how to do all this across across the board. So Yeah. Because yeah. you have to let you have to let go. You have to let go. Yeah. For sure. And um but it's not just about letting go. It's about also realizing that not everyone is is as bought in as you will be as the founder, right? Mm. And letting go costs money. And when you let go, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we raised our first round of funding in Fallitics in, in April 2020. Uh, and then we raised an extension round um, afterwards in in. Uh, January 2022. Mm-hmm. And when we raised that first round of funding, it was really to build Fallotics 2.0. So Fallotics 1.0 was growing really rapidly. We were, you know, we within a few months, uh, less than 10 months, we were at a million dollars in, in ARR and, and we were growing. But then we started stagnating and we started seeing a lot of bugs and a lot of scalability issues in the way we built Fallout 1.0. Just the technology was not scalable by any means. So we decided to invest in building Funnelytics 2.0. And as we were building Funnelytics 2.0, now we were figuring out, okay, well, how do we 
expand? How do we grow? So, because we're building this new tool over here. So our engineers are over on the side building this thing that nobody's going to use for a long time. This thing is currently live and it's working, but not really because there's some bugs and some issues that we can't, we can't scale. So do we put engineers to keep fixing this one while we're trying to build this new one over here? Well, that's kind of mm-hmm. resources. So instead, what we did is we said, okay, well, let's take some of these, uh, this money and let's go and start building the operational side of things. Let's ex- ex- hire our, um, marketing person. Let's hire our sales. Mm-hmm. And- start thinking about these, these pieces. But what ends up happening is if this product isn't fully working, then, then guess what? All of those people are overhead costs that start piling up and creating burn. And as you burn money, now all of a sudden the runway gets shorter and you get to a stage where, okay, well, we've got to make some, some decisions. So with Funnelytics, what happened was, um, in 2022, we were, uh, a few months shy of launching our 2.0 product. We raised another round, uh, and basically we went all in right now. Here was the issue. We launched Follies 2.0 and it was great. However, there were still a few things that we needed to improve as we started onboarding clients as with any product. Right. But whose responsibility is it to figure out how to set all of this stuff up? Is it the CEO's responsibility or the founders? Um, is it the employees that you just hired when you're still burning capital? Is it basically you going and saying, Hey guys, go and figure out how to solve all of these problems across, across the board. And you as the product guy, you need to solve this problem. And you as the sales guy, you need to solve this problem. Well, there's got to be that consistency across across everything, which means that you as the CEO, until the machine is built, you're playing in all of these components. Mm-hmm. You're playing on the product side. You're playing on the success side. You're playing on the operations side. You're trying to create that uh, uniformity. With us, uh, what ended up happening is we, we en- unfortunately burned through uh, the money too quickly. Our growth wasn't fast enough for us to raise the next round. And it put us in this uh, situation where we had to cut and we had to kind of take a, a bit of a step back. But it's a challenge, right? You can't you can't just hire more people when the revenue doesn't add up or the revenue doesn't catch up, right? That's that's the one thing that is um, that I I regret. Not I regret. That's the one thing that the VC world um, doesn't help you with is is. You know, you, one day you're bootstrapped and you're, you're struggling to kind of just make some profit. The next morning you have $3 million in a bank account. Like, yeah. you know, and it's like, but now go and start hiring, grow, right? Yeah. Go, like, okay. Uh, fine. <laughs> let's go and hire this person and this person and let's deploy this capital here and there. And, and, and then 18 months later, you're like, oh, wait, we didn't work the way I thought it was. So what do I do now? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's basically what happens in the VC world. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being honest about your, your struggle. And this is a story that I have heard before from, <laughs> from other funders. Um, what would be your one practical recommendation to other 
founders? Start from the back. And here's what I mean by that. It's very, very easy. I'm a marketer. So uh, remember, I kind of mentioned these four phases, attract, close, deliver, retain. By nature, I think in that sequence, attract, close, deliver, retain. So let's think about what this thing is going to do. Let's create some really cool marketing around it. Let's get some people attracted. And then let's go and come up with a really solid offer and um, irresistible offer. Let's get them to buy, right? And then let's figure out how to deliver that. And then let's figure out how to retain. That is a very, very challenging thing because the retention side of things is really where your business scales and grows. You have to deliver and you have to retain. The closing and the attracting is a byproduct of having really, really solid, a really, really solid product or service that delivers on what it is that you promised and consistently delivers and retains your your clients. So I would start backwards. I would do everything I can, first and foremost, to build a product that I know retains 10 of the exact same type of customer, right? Mm. Product market fit. They love it. They want to use it. They're consistently using it. And I wouldn't spend any resource at all until that is accomplished. Once I get 10 of the exact same type of customer, and that's key, they have to be the same. Can't just be 10 customers. It has to be 10 of the exact same type of customer who is basically giving you the exact same testimonial in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I would go into, okay, how do I deliver that more consistently? So because I have a software that's by nature, just getting them on, but delivering means I got to onboard them, right? So what is that onboarding to get them to that retention side? look like? Can I get 10 people to go through that reten- that onboarding in the same way to get to that same output? Then I would go back to close and I would say, okay, how do I now close 10 of those people consistently across the board? And I would work on the marketing and the closing to, you know, in, together in that sense. Um, and then I would wrap up. We did it the other way around. When we first started Fonalytics, we ramped up because I figured yeah. I'm a really good marketer. I know how to pitch. I know how to create uh, marketing materials. I know how to create offers. So create an irresistible offer, did the marketing, got a whole lot of people. And then at the bottom, it just started leaking because the product deliver the product. Mm-hmm. We weren't retaining. We didn't know how to onboard the right type of customer. We didn't know who they were. So now we had to go back to the drawing board. We still went and raised and, and did all this and built a new product. Now our product actually solidly delivers for the right types of customers. Now it's about figuring out how do we get the right marketing in place to bring those types of customers. So fundamentally, that is the biggest advice I would give somebody. Nice. Very practical. Thank you. Thank you, Mikael, for, for, for your time. I really enjoy uh, the conversation. Just, just one more question. How can people contact you? Oh, the easiest way is, uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'm a LinkedIn person more so than anything else. Uh, so just check me out on LinkedIn at Mikel Dia. And uh, if you want to look at Funnelytics and use it to map and, and, and analyze the performance of your customer journeys, check out Funnelytics.io. Excellent. Again, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening. If you found this episode useful, then you're going to love this. 
I've put together a free online assessment that I call the Bottleneck Index, which Michael took. You answer a series of key questions around your working habits, and it gives you your bottleneck score along with some practical recommendations on how to thrive as an entrepreneur. Just visit my website and take it for free. And I'll see you next time. Bye for now.